Welcome back to Talking Troy. For the first time this semester, some daily Trojan staffers are going to get together and talk some USC athletics. This time around, it'll be Chris Babona, Kyle Frankel, and sports editor Patrick Warren joining the show. Very USC football dominant show today. I mean, obviously, story of the year might be is this game in Utah. Did not go USC's way. We're going to go very in-depth, analyze everything that went on talk the big storylines, get into more of a Pac-12-centric discussion towards the end. But I want to just roll right into this game, what happened on Saturday. Obviously, a thriller came down to like 48 seconds. Utah went for it, two-point conversion, and they converted. Got to tip your cap to that. Come out with a victory, obviously. USC did have the ball in their hands to end the game. Just wasn't enough time. Some penalties late didn't go their way. But I want to start with you, Patrick. Where do you think that... Maybe this game, where do you think it went wrong for USC? I mean, you said it with penalties. Penalties was a huge problem for USC, especially on defense, especially, uh, I mean, and a lot of it wasn't even USC's fault. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the officiating of that game with a few roughing the passer calls. But ultimately, you know, I think it was 12 penalties for 93 yards. That's not going to win you many football games, especially on the road against a good team like Utah. Um, I also think the run defense was really bad. Um, just kind of struggled to keep uh, Cam Rising from scrambling he had 60 yards three rushing touchdowns so there's there's a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball yeah and and defense overall I mean you point to the penalties and obviously those are some some questionable calls but still I don't think that you can chalk this up and really complain about the penalties too much when you're winding up 43 points it's just at there's a point where you got to get a stop and towards the end of the game that last drive had them third and ten on their own side of the field and couldn't stop them pretty much knew where the ball was going and once again Dolan Kincaid still got the catch still got the first down and it just you said it with the run defense and in in the pass even it felt like you knew where the ball was going the whole night and still there was just nothing they could do and they could not buy a stop throughout I mean pretty much the whole game but very much just the entire second half right because I remember in our predictions we're like this is going to be this going to be a high score game. We both were in like the 40s, 30s range. We knew that we had to stop Utah's run game and they they're going to play a physical brand of football. That's exactly what we saw. I mean, Dalton Kincaid over 200 yards receiving, 16 receptions. He was he was the well for Utah in this game by far and then obviously Cameron rising his his stats, it was unique in that there was so much ground game for him and I felt like the most crucial plays it wasn't through the air for him, even though he threw for 415 yards. It was those those scrambles for touchdowns, the three touchdowns he had, the two-point conversion. It felt like Utah knew that they could get away with an improv play, and that, and that was going to make the difference um, in this one. And so it was kind of disappointing that the defense really did let up. I, th- I felt like in, in these shootouts, defense gets tired as the game goes on. You kind of felt that the bigger plays start to get away from them, and obviously you can't catch breaks when you get the the roughing the passer penalties, the turnovers that could have been. It really didn't go USC's way. But I I felt like I want to make the statement of Utah definitely did outplay USC in this game. It it didn't feel feel like this was one that maybe got away from USC. Obviously, there were points in the game where USC could have taken control and made the one play, but Utah really... I would, I would say deserve the win and just that they executed on their game plan. They exploited USC's weaknesses in that sense. I, I would say maybe the shortcomings, like the, the secondary, obviously, like you mentioned, it got away, the bigger plays. But this one, it, it, it hurts because 
I feel like Utah earned it. Yeah, and I mean they did. And you you point like Golden Kincaid, like he was the well. And it goes back to Utah. They didn't play like the perfect game. USC didn't play the perfect game. And this isn't to say that USC played bad either. I mean, the offense for one part played outstanding. Mm-hmm. Forty two points is an outstanding game. It's just whenever, whenever Utah needed to make a play, whenever Cam Rising needed to make a play, they made it. And when you do that, you deserve the win. They they capitalized on all the opportunities they had to. And at the end of the day, USC didn't. They still they didn't necessarily play bad. Offense played great. And as you said, they still had a chance at the end of the game. I mean, there's still some talks on maybe those timeouts should have been called when when Utah was pressing towards the end zone. But even so. They still had 30, 40 seconds at the end of the game to go down and kick a game-winning field goal, and they couldn't. And when Utah had a minute and a half to go score, they did. And that's on, that was the difference was pretty much those last three minutes. Yeah, and how about the call for the two-point conversion, too? Like, you couldn't believe it. Like, with 48 seconds left, you'd feel pretty good about, hey, let's like, kick, kick the PAT, we'll send it to overtime, get a stop. No, they're like, we're going to win this game now. We're going to put it all on this play. And I think to execute that and to even call for that um, – it just kind of goes for like the competitiveness of the of that team and like the confidence they had at that point, and so it, it's rough. But man, I, do you have any other thoughts on yeah, how things played out? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that meme of the Packers fan in the Cowboys stadium, where like it's like the Cowboys fans are celebrating with a minute and a half left, but this time you know they were celebrating for good reason. And I think going for it onto like for the two point conversion was a great call. I mean, because you know how powerful our offense can be, you know, putting up forty two points, Caleb Williams throwing for five touchdowns. 381 but yeah so I was I was on the field for that last kind of sequence I was right there for the two-point conversion kind of just dagger to the heart and then we kind of walked down the field to where USC was potentially going to score and you could just see it just felt so far like Caleb Williams was so tiny and like a little speck in my eye so you could just kind of see like how how far they would have to go for it and right. just kind of as it, as it, the clock struck zero years it was loud and I'm pretty loud. sure what there was a the delay of game that brought him back five and negated something. And then there was another penalty. It was a smaller one, maybe like a five yarder um, that really sent him back. And that took some time off the clock. Obviously they used like, yeah, the timeouts there was kind of suspect, but yeah, it was, I thought Caleb played great on it. Like he, he played his heart out and he, he showed it like post game crying. I mean like the still every, every big publication posted that, but I, I don't think it like did its justice. Like he left everything on the field there. And I don't think, when I say, like, Utah, like, earned it and they played better, like, you look at the numbers of the stat sheet, it doesn't really show it, but Caleb executed those. Some of the throws he made on the run in the scrum, he had a lot of time, too, which I got to give credit to the O-line. I thought they did a great job in pass protection, but he, Caleb made just about every throw that he could. And I think with the five touchdowns attest to that, but it just rising kind of outplayed him here. Like, he, he found holes he exploited on the ground, um, and that shows in the final score. Yeah, it goes to the point of, like, USC didn't lose this game, Utah won it. Like, they, mm-hmm. they, USC got beat, but they didn't, they didn't, like, lose it for themselves. They didn't, there was just some bad penalties, maybe, and some plays they should have made, but it wasn't like they lost the game for themselves. They, there's not a, a point you can, uh, a spot you can point to and say, that's where it got away. That, that's something they should have done differently, and they really played a good game. It's just Utah played a little bit better, and edged him out in the end with that two-point conversion call, which I agree with you, was completely the right decision. And that moment in the game, not only from the underdog mentality of lower-ranked team, like, let's take let's take our chance right here while we have them, but also if you just look at the way the game was going, it was 
no one can stop anybody. It, it really did feel like if we give them another chance to get the ball back, like they're going to go down and score, and we, we're probably going to lose. So we might as well just go for it here. Right. Two effects of this game besides USC having the first loss of the season, besides dropping five points in the AP poll, uh, wide, wide receiver Jordan Addison and then linebacker Eric Gentry both out with injuries. I know there's some speculation still, still some things that need to be figured out with those two, but I think if either of those players are to miss some time, it's going to have a tremendous impact on the team, uh, especially on defense. I think Gentry, like, it's already, the secondary is already a place where it's it's rough, and, like, I know with their scheme, like, size is kind of at a, there's there's not too much size on the defensive end for USC, and so losing a linebacker, losing one of the, your leaders, um, it could have a big thing, and obviously Shane Lee's missed some time as well, so it with the linebacker core, either of those players missing some time, it's going to be terrible and I think like even in the game even in the game that Gentry was able to play part of that like it got exploited and I think the size was a factor obviously the tight end took took over and like he was in coverage a lot but if if Gentry is to miss some time I think that that could be like one thing that everyone could point to is like this is missing in the defense, right? And yeah, I mean, once once uh, once Gentry was out and Lee, I mean, you could just see how easy it was for Utah to kind of just you know insert their will over us. So missing both of those guys would be a big problem for the USC defense. Yeah, and Gentry, I mean, he was the guy we talked about last week as like one of the the standouts this year, and a guy like you said, athletically like huge and a huge presence to have on the inside there, but also just sort of a jack of all trades on the defense and. I mean, we were talking about how he's not necessarily the guy that's going to st- show up the most on the stat sheet, and you're not going to not going to look, and he's not going to be a name when you're reading the box score that necessarily sticks out. But when you're watching the game, you notice him every single play, and he's just pretty much done it all for the defense up to this point, and been a huge part of when they've had success. So, as you said, when he went out, you could see the difference, and hopefully, he's not out long because I think you'll while he is out, you will continue to see that difference and you will continue to see something missing and and you'll notice it just from on run plays on pass plays that you know he's not in the middle and they're missing that that big presence and that long wingspan in there absolutely usc fell to utah 42 43 last saturday rankings as they stand now in the ap poll usc 12 Utah moved up to 15, Oregon and UCLA moved up. UCLA is now the leading Pac-12 team in the AP poll number 9, Oregon right behind them number 10. There is a lot of a lot of predicting going on, a lot of like <laughs> rearranging, right, with what is what is USC's path? It was okay, USC could win out and maybe we could make it to a college football playoff and now finally the loss that everyone was kind of expecting or like prepping for and it it has come and now I think USC's trajectory and their goals their aspirations it shifts from college football playoff to now Pac-12 championship and rightfully so but now we think about a path too because as it stands right now USC went for number one now they're number three in the Pac-12 rankings you got UCLA Oregon then USC there Um, obviously there's a huge game going to happen this weekend while USC is on their bye but I want to start with First off, I'll throw out the question. I think it could be answered pretty quickly, in my opinion, but are USC's playoff aspirations done? I don't think they're done, but I think there's a lot of work for a lot of different schools to do for us. I think that mm-hmm. we need to see maybe a, a ACC team. We, maybe Syracuse beats Clemson this weekend. That'd be huge. Or, um, you know, 
Ohio State beats Michigan and then loses to Illinois in the Big Big Ten Championship. But I think that they're pretty. It's it's like they're on their deathbed for sure. Our dreams of of playoff. Yeah, it's. I think the big thing is they're not in control of their own destiny anymore on that front. Because as you said, I mean, every kind of the hope like. They went out, they're probably in, but I, I think, you know, if USC had one out on the season, I do believe that they'd be in the college football playoff. I don't think there's an argument that you could really keep them out at the end when, when all was said and done, but yeah, they, it's not over and they can still very well make it, but the chances have dwindled and they're going to need, as you said, Patrick, just help from a lot of different schools because it's going to be tough for them to make the case that they should get in over a lot of like the one loss SEC, a one loss Bama, or a one loss Tennessee, one loss Georgia, or even a one loss Clemson is going to be a tough argument for USC to make that their strength of schedule and the resume that they've put up stacks up against another one loss school. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw in the towel here. I do think like even if it hasn't quote unquote happened yet, like the, the order of things that need to happen for USC to make the playoff, I just don't see it like plausibly happening. Uh, I think it's reasonable and it, I think it should have been more of a hyped up goal that like this is a this is going to be a multi-year process for, for Lincoln Riley for Caleb Williams and for the entire USC program uh, to get to get to a competitive level I think that it was a very generous uh, place for us to be ranked in the first place honestly um, I thought that like yeah to come in at like top like we were, t- we were t- I think 12th open the year and then, yeah, then, like that. then moved to like to be as high as seven I think that was an honor for USC. And I think that we played well in that realm, but now I think it's more of like a reality check. And now that the, the loss is on the, on the record sheet and you can kind of pull back and the players could respond in, in a way and rebound, hopefully in, in two weeks from now, uh, I think we're going to see a little different style of play. And I think it's good to get that off our back and maybe prep for another year. But talking Pac-12, there's a lot of important games ahead of us. And one of them, we're not even playing and that is going to be this weekend, UCLA versus Oregon. Uh, just just broadly, what have we seen? Because I feel like, I think I mentioned it in our prep, is I felt like U- UCLA has kind of been in the shadow of USC in the past weeks, and they've played so well, but it's just like in the AP poll rankings and in the, the national spotlight, they might just get, they might get little brothered by what USC their their spectacle of like everything that's happened in the offseason and in the season so far that this is a much better team than people are talking about right and Dorian Thompson Robinson like phenomenal job but where do we where do we grasp UCLA Oregon and now our our true competition the realistic goal of Pac-12 championship yeah i mean i think the game on on saturday is the biggest game for that with with Oregon uh, playing UCLA. We got to root for Oregon as USC fans. Uh, we can't see UCLA kind of undefeated to the point that we play them. We have to be their second loss. Um, I think that way we play Oregon if Oregon wins out. Um, and I mean, I I have faith. I mean, I'm I grew up an Auburn fan, and so I'm familiar with Bo Nix, and I've been disappointed by Bo Nix quite a bit. But he's had he's been having a really good year. Seventy percent completion rate, only three interceptions to twelve touchdowns. So I mean he's he's definitely proven his worth, proven his ability to to you know play in not necessarily big games because of that Georgia game, but UCLA is definitely not Georgia. So I think that there's a chance for for Oregon to take this one. 
Yeah, and I was going to say, UCLA has been sort of little-brothered so far this year, like, with USC and hasn't gotten necessarily the national spotlight. But if we're talking about being overlooked and not being talked about, it's Oregon. If you're looking at these three teams, like, Oregon got blown out by Georgia in that first game of the season when they were really hyped up and people thought they could go to the playoff. And that was really a, a reality check for a lot of those fans. But also, like, that really took them out of the national spotlight. And I don't think people have really been talking about them since. And they've put together a really good record since. And as you said, Bo Nix has been playing out of his mind. He's got a pass rating just below, like, 160. He's got a 12-3 to touchdown to interception. He's thrown for over 1,500 yards. Like, he's been having a great season. He's led, He's had some incredible games, led the comeback against Washington State, who, as we know, is a very formidable foe. And Oregon's had some really impressive wins. So I'm with you there. I, I don't think it's – I think UCLA is probably on paper the better team. And so far, if you look at resumes, the better team. But I think Bo Nix is probably the better quarterback. And I, it's going to be really interesting to see – which one of them pulls it out this weekend. And as you said, Patrick, I think USC definitely just rivalry-wise hoping for Oregon, but also Pac-12 championship-wise, that's the, the best-case scenario. I wanted to pose the question how many Pac-12 teams would finish ranked in the AP poll by the end of the year, but I think that I want to even modify this, just how things have shaken out. How many Pac-12 teams do we think are going to be inside the top 15 by the end of the season. Right now, four teams, top 15. Obviously, someone's got to lose. Someone's going to get pushed down a, a bit, uh, maybe two or three of the uh, teams in the Pac-12. Um, I'll, I'll start us off. I I would go as far to say that there's going to be there will be two Pac-12 teams top 15 in the rankings. by When it's all said and done, I think those two teams are going to be Oregon and UCLA. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to say, I think, because Oregon and UCLA, one of them will, at least for the time being, knock each other off. Right. Um, but I still think it's it's very possible that there, I think there will definitely be at least two, and I think there very well could be three. And if you look at Oregon and UCLA, if they have a, a, a tight game, I think you could be looking at an end of the season where one of them is either undefeated or, at, at least from this point on, undefeated in the case of Oregon. And then you could be looking at a one-loss UCLA and a one-loss USC. And I think if all those teams shape up, or um, actually UCLA would not be one-loss at that point. But I think there's sort of these situations that could shape up with UCLA taking a win and then dropping USC later on, where Utah also has a a shot to really stay in there. I mean, they've already kind of played the toughest part of their schedule. So I I think realistically, two definitely, but very possibly three inside the top 15, probably one inside the top 10. Yeah, totally. I think it'll definitely be one in the top 10. It'll probably be, you know, maybe winner of USC, UCLA, if Oregon's kind of out of the picture after after this weekend. Um, That that Utah-Oregon game is also going to be really big uh, pretty late in the season. I think it's the second to last game. Um, Could be big for either team, really, especially if Oregon has a has a good game against UCLA. Um, but yeah, I think I could, I could definitely see three. And I mean, I think it's going to be, it, this wouldn't be hilarious as a USC fan, but what if UCLA made the playoff? I mean, they have a pretty clear path that right you know, with a win against Oregon, win against USC. They control their own destiny. I was thinking that too. It's like, I, I don't want to like speak into existence, but if there's a team from the PAC 12, that would have a chance. It's, it's UCLA, especially yeah. If they win this week, 
one hundred percent they'll probably get moved up to I would assume somewhere close to like where USC was seven, uh, and then they're in biting territory, and then you just got to wait for one of those top four to lose, and then you're pretty much in. And I think now that they're the epitome of the Pac-12, get more spotlight, get a little bit, little more recognition, some more votes, definitely possible. I know like. Back in the day, like, me and my friends, we'd always talk about, like, oh, man, like, we just need some more Pac-12 rep in, like, the national spotlight. And we would kind of, like, root for a, a Pac-12 team no matter what. And I think it, we're not there yet as USC, or but, like, and you kind of never want to be. But if there's a Pac-12 representative right now, I think it is UCLA. Yeah, definitely. And, and we talk about controlling their own destiny. They pretty much... They have a, probably a harder regular season schedule than USC. And we talked about if USC went out, they'd be there. If UCLA wins out, they're beating everybody that UC, USC played, if not more. So um, I, they they definitely are the best chance and the only real, I think, super plausible chance that the Pac-12 has. I mean, we talked about USC is not out and like Oregon's not out, but for those teams, a lot of things have to fall into place. Whereas UCLA, they have the path right in front of them. They know what they have to do, and if they execute and they win out, they'll definitely be number four in that playoff. Totally. I think Oregon benefits because it was a week one loss to a really good team mm -hmm. and they've proven that they've kind of recovered from that. So I think, yeah, if they went out from here, they could also definitely make an argument. But yeah, UCLA definitely has, is in a great position that I think USC fans are probably a little jealous of. And that's going to be all for today. Until next time on Talking Troy.